Okay, hello. Welcome to episode 326 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, we decided it was about, about time we should check in um, because there is some news that has happened. Not a lot, but there is some, and I do want to talk about it. So here we are. Uh, I am here with Fong, of course. He is here this time. Hello. All right. So, you know, some stuff happened. Uh, how, what, where do you want to start? Do you want to start Kings or do you want to start uh, National, what I like to call? Mm, let's start Kings for sure. It's a Sack Kings Therapy podcast. It is indeed the Sack Kings Therapy podcast. So let's start with uh, the Kings. This is more of, this is not really news, but because uh, it, it, it hasn't happened yet. But uh, Fox um, or Deuce and Mo were able to interview um, De'Aaron Fox and Versailles. And I believe that will be released on Tuesday. So that's that's really cool. Um, they they released a clip about them talking about Keegan. And it was really intriguing because apparently Keegan's starting to open up now a little bit. Mm, that's interesting. I wonder, has have they done an interview with Keegan yet? No, I don't believe so. They've done it with his dad. I think I think literally everyone has done one with his dad at this point. But no, he hasn't. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't done one. No. Mm. I, sw- I forgot who interviewed Keegan. It's been a while though since I saw an an actual interview with Keegan though. So it was it was like one of his buddies, right, or something like that. Uh, yeah, I forgot the exact details, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was also I think uh played with high school ball with him. I think something like that. Yeah. Um. So apparently he's been opening up. Apparently he crack. He he's now coming in cracking and cracking jokes with his uh. Basically with the same tone of voice, apparently, which honestly makes it that much more funny. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. When it comes out, do give it a watch because that sounds very, very interesting. And uh, yeah, it's the first time Fox has been on Deuce and Mo. I think it's like the only like local podcast he's actually been on. Like, you know, uh, Deuce and Mo, they've done they've done a lot of players. They've done like Harrison Barnes. Davion Mitchell's been on a few times like. You know, so this is actually pretty, uh, pretty interesting. And he, and of course, he brought his, he brought his wife, and you know, his wife is really cool. Like she's very active on Twitter, so she seems to be a blast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, to be honest, I mean, this is probably the first podcast I ever heard Fox being in. Well, there was all the smoke. Uh, I remember that, but yeah, like oh. literally, he has he doesn't do podcast appearances that much. Like I was, I thought it kind of stood out, like that he wasn't on Deuce and Mo before. So, yeah, like Tyrese, yeah, Tyrese was on Deuce and Mo like pretty early, like literally, I think his first year he was on Deuce and Mo. Yeah, that's right, man. Yeah, it's surprising after what was it now his fifth season, I or six. He'd be going, I think this. Wait, so drafted in 2017, so this would be his sixth season, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> well, excited to hear what he has to say or what questions they'll ha- uh, have for him. Okay, I'm getting confused. I think it's seven. I don't know. It's his sixth or seven. He's been in the league for, for a little bit now. But, uh, okay, uh, on to the next piece of news. Uh, so it came out uh, so that the Kings signed uh, JaVale McGee. And it wasn't clear what kind of contract it was, uh, but it has come out now. It is a fully guaranteed contract. So that it, I would say that nine, that's a 90% chance that he's going to be on the team uh, when, like, when the games first start. Yeah, which means I'm assuming 
is uh noel gonna even uh be part of this anymore well we don't know like they're going to like have a as far as as far as what i hear they're going to battle it out in training camp and you're gonna have like alex len you're gonna have uh namias kata um nerlens noel of course javel and also let's not forget scala bcr is signed to the kings right now he's not officially signed to the stockton kings he's actually i believe signed to the sacramento kings so there's that as well so it's going to be an interesting uh training camp and you know just i guess quick predictions who who do you think makes it out of that group you got len you got kata um uh nerland's noel um javel and scalabesier so i'm assuming we only could choose three Three, (laughs) out of five yeah Yeah. i should have said three yeah so Let's get the elephant out of the room and say who who is actually guaranteed, which I'm assuming Javel for mm-hmm. sure. I just said he was guaranteed. Yeah. Yes, you can assume that. Um is Len guaranteed? I forget. He is guaranteed. Yes. So he might stay. So now we have three left really to maintain that spot. Oh man. Between Kada, Noel, and Scal. I would have to say Kada, to be honest. I do like the upside and potentials of Noel and Scal, but it's just hard to, you know, kind of squeeze in the playtime with, you know, the others and uh, whatchamacallit, you know, give them enough, um, what's the word? Training, I guess. Or, or, yeah, you could say playing time to, you know, kind of develop within this uh, team scenario i like I, I think there's enough room i would have to do the math again i think they can keep keep like two out of the ones you mentioned like basically my scenario is that my perfect scenario is that we keep len we keep uh javel and kata uh-huh. so you got so you end up having three centers you can cut on uh, noel and and probably send scal to uh stockton it's going to be competitive. Like the Kato thing is that we still want to develop him. We still want to see if he can become a legit NBA player. And then, of course, JaVale is basically going to provide like a better version of what we assume that Nerlens Noel is going to be. And he's a guy that's played with Mike Brown. Let's not forget that, like with the Warriors. So they he knows the system. Well, at least we assume. And Again, he gives the Kings something that they do need, like size and athleticism and also speed. Like he is a guy that's going to run, that's going to run the floor, catch lobs and probably protect the rim a little bit. Like he's never been great at it, but you know, he's got size, he's got length, he's got insane leaping ability. Did you know that JaVale is listed at 270? Really? At what height now? Seven feet? He's like seven feet tall. 270 huh which is surprising he does not look 270 to me by the way like a guy that can get up that high too yeah i i would assume maybe like 250 maybe at the at the i most. thought it was 230 because like, i remember sean was like 2 230 240 so man, hmm. that's a lot of size yeah that is huh oh this is a this is a funny little stat um he shot 40 percent from three last year yeah uh, that's gonna I mean, be a thing how many attempts though? Uh, let me check. 41 attempts. Oh no, 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 no. That's free throws, free throws, free throws. Uh two of five. Two of five? <laughs> okay. The entire yeah. season. 
Yeah, that's not going to happen. Not going to lie. I mean, sure, he could attempt maybe once in a while, but I wouldn't consider it, um, you know, the go-to shot how everyone else in the team. And, you know, ultimately, like, I, I know a lot of people want Jordan Ford. Just stick, just put him on a two-way. That's all you have to do. He, he's he's a guy, like, that would be very helpful if, like, the Kings do need a third guard. And you, I don't think you need a standard contract for him. Even though, you know, like, in a perfect world, I would love to give everyone contracts. But, you know, you still have a two-way left. So, like, it makes sense to use it on Jordan Ford. Because I don't, I don't, well, they already signed Kata to an actual contract. Grant, granted, non-guaranteed, but. You know, so I think that last spot is going to that two way spot is going to go to Jordan four. And then, yeah, that rounds out the entire roster. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I wouldn't expect uh, the Kings to make another move anytime soon with the I guess the rest of the guys still out there. I part of me is like kind of predicting they're going to make a midseason move. I don't know for sure. But like it, it's it feels like they're building up to a move because they do have quite a few assets. Like you know, Harrison Barnes is still an asset, granted, not probably not a very high one, and you can't trade him. Like I think until midway through the season, and Kevin Herter, I believe, is a is a huge asset that you can dangle out there for something really good. Hmm. Yeah, we'll have to see because <laughs> so far no one's budging in terms of uh, moves. Has some, uh, and, and, by, and by no one, we just mean beside you, Jerry. Pretty much. <laughs> it's, it's honestly really annoying at this point. And also, like, let's not forget the Dame stuff. Like, the, ugh, and then the James Harden stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it's it's the dead season right now. But like, you know, things could change really quick. Like, even though like people will say like, oh, uh, this these two teams haven't talked for for over a month it only takes about a few hours really when yeah. it does happen yeah which is true so i mean whatever monty is uh cooking up we'll let him cook okay all right let's move on to the national part when i really only have one story i really want to talk about was team usa uh getting beat by lithuania uh, in in the game, they were out rebounded forty three to twenty seven, just a ridiculous number. A lot of people online complained that, you know, Steve Kerr did not play Jaron Jackson and Walker Kessler. I don't know what you think about that, but like, so yeah, they were out rebounded and they were just destroyed from three. And I watched that game. Lithuania hit some bullshit threes. Like they were crazy, ridiculous hot. Yeah, I don't know if. Uh any of those guys would have benefited in terms of the USA, um, you know, making the win. But, I mean, look at the bot score. It just seems like, uh, whatchamacallit. Ah, oh, man, why, why did I? I just said his name earlier. Anthony right? Edwards? Anthony Edwards. I don't know why that name slipped in my mind. But uh, whatchamacallit, just seemed like took a lot of shots that could have distributed to other guys to be honest how many threes did he shoot by the way just curious 13 attempts 13 attempts how many did he make i want to say five you're correct it is five so yeah like anthony edwards look i'll, I'll give him a pass on that he was he was really good down the stretch like he is kind of the man of team usa and like he was legit he was legit kind of like keeping the u.s in it 
Now, granted, the U.S. like as a total couldn't get stops, but he was trying to will the team back into the game. The only criticism I have about him is that he is a little three happy, like 13 attempts for a guy that's not really a good shooter. Uh, I know like his, his, I don't know what his average is, but like he, he's, he's a guy, he, I just always feel he can get to the rim and create something a lot better. I, I say the same thing about Deer and Fox all the time, but it, it's they, in a way they're kind of the same player. Um, but ultimately like I, I didn't mind the shots that he took. I'll just say that. Hmm. I see. I, I was just surprised. Uh, I thought Jalen Brunson would have maybe took a little more freeze, uh, you know, instead of Edwards. And, you know, I mean, off the bench, he still had Halburn, which um, didn't shoot as much. He, I mean, he's, you know, the, probably the primary playmaker off the bench. And uh, Powell, surprisingly, only took uh, four shots that weren't free. So, yeah, I just expected kind of more of a well-rounded type game for USA, but it just seemed like, you know, stars gotta be stars sometimes. Yeah, credit to Lithuania for all just constantly answering whenever the U.S. started to build momentum. Like, there were so many moments in the fourth quarter where the U.S. would get a stop, and, like, they, were, they, they would score on the other end and build some momentum to cut the lead to around six and then Lithuania just would do something ridiculous. There was one play where it's four seconds. I like it. I think it's four seconds left on the clock. Anthony Edwards closes out to this guy, knocks the ball out of his hands. The guy picks it up and literally just chucks it over him in, from three and makes it. It was just demoralizing. And the, the U.S. kept trying to make a run, but they, they just couldn't do it. There was uh, one moment, I believe, I forgot. I think they were down four, the U.S., and they managed to get a steal. And Anthony Edwards takes a pull-up three in transition, kind of that three happy thing that I'm that I keep mentioning. It was a fine shot, but they just could not. They could not capitalize. And Mikael Bridges had had a had uh, a great look uh, in the final seconds, where they I think Paolo comes out of the backcourt to steal the ball and gets him an open three, but he ends up missing it, and that was the game. I think the U.S. played very well, but it, it does just kind of show you, for whatever reason, a lot of these, let's just, like, you know, let's not mince words, like, less less talented teams, they have a game plan, and yet they're just able to execute it just way better than the U.S. do. The U.S. all, like, it's weird to say, they have an overabundance of talent. Now, I know it's not the A team, I've gone over that, but it's an overabundance of talent. People don't really know their full roles and everyone ends up not really wanting to step on each other's toes. And then like in the case of Andy, the Anthony Edwards, where he's trying to bring the team back all by himself, it does kind of marginalize his very, very talented teammates and they can just never find that perfect balance. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's just one game to be honest. And I feel like, I, I I have faith in the U.S. to, you know, jump back up and, uh, you know, take, <laughs> I don't know, the rest of the competition, to be honest. I don't know how FIBA works, so I don't know if this one loss is a huge loss, to be honest. So, um, I believe, well, the, they will qualify for the Olympics. They've won enough games to do that. But, I yeah, I yeah. think they can still get gold, if I remember right. I, I don't remember. 
Because I, I think every team has lost at this point. Except Lithuania, of course. But I think Lithuania has lost before. I'm, I'm not sure. They, they don't have Sabonis. Mm-hmm. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost already. It's, again, not a talent-written team or talent-rich team. Mm. Uh, so far, I mean, according to this ESPN, I, I don't know if they played another game after this game, but they're still 5-0. and Oh, oh so, really? Oh, wow. So, yeah. Good, I don't... good for them. <laughs> Yeah, again, they don't have Sabonis, and like Valanciunas is their best player, but again, they execute like really well. They hunted the shit out of Austin Reeves this game. Like, it's like it's almost like they heard all the hype and they just said, "We're gonna punish this little white dude." Basically, it, it was it was a bit rough for Austin Reeves, who was still I thought good for stretches, but yeah, like he could not hold up on defense on this one. Hmm. I see. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna worry too much unless somehow yeah we don't make uh, it far in the olympics but i mean this is the at, people world cup yeah it's i mean look at the team it we should get it done to be honest no. <laughs> but it's always an issue with just team usa it's a, again an overabundance of talent that it's not enough time to truly figure out if that makes any sense like you know, even in regular MBAs in, in the regular MBA season, it takes till the midway point a lot of the time for teams to figure it out. And mm-hmm. they just don't have time to figure it out. Like, But it's always odd to me that other teams could. I just, I've never understood that. They, they're just able to. Yeah, I'm just going to sit to assume that, I mean, we're not going to make any fancy uh, plays for that <laughs> are team oriented to be honest it's mostly just gonna be uh whoever has the ball just come up with something to be honest um yeah so team canada uh they uh they're gonna advance to the olympics as well they beat spain to advance uh, or to qualify for the olympics so big moment for them really cool they have a really good team by the way they have like you know shea gills alexander they have uh lou dort uh, who else? They have Kelly Olynyk. I didn't know he was Canadian. And Dylan Brooks. Um, <laughs> so. Is is RJ in there? RJ's in there. Although, like he, they didn't really play him that much, which was surprising. And I can I can understand why he he's not a great offensive player. He's a fine offensive player, but for a guy that's making a hundred million dollars, he's gonna need to be better. Yeah, I mean. Hopefully they'll give him more time. So we'll have to see about that. And you know, by the by the time the Olympics, they likely will have Jamal Murray. That's gonna be a very dangerous team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be an interesting team. Yeah. Okay. Uh so that does it for uh the basketball portion of this uh episode. Let's move on to kind of I guess more interesting stuff that happened over the weekend, and it concerns the wrestling world. So uh, all all in happened uh, in the in front of the biggest uh, paid attendance. You, you you need that caveat paid attendance ever for a wrestling show. Um, lost in or it was the biggest crowd that that paid to watch, and there were a lot of good matches. There were a lot of newsworthy stuff, but unfortunately, a a lot of the shine got taken off. Well, may, well maybe not a lot, but some of the shine got taken off because there was a backstage fight between. Um, CM Punk and Jack Perry, Jungle Boy, for those of you that don't know. And there were suspensions that were handed out um, to Jungle Boy and CM Punk. And then it was announced on Saturday that C- that AEW has terminated 
CM Punk, aka fired CM Punk. And it was it was shocking. And uh yeah, what were your first thoughts when you first heard that news? To be honest, I thought it was a little funny because I mean I'm not gonna lie. I felt like it was gonna bound to happen sometime. I just didn't expect it to happen sooner than, you know, later on in his into his uh AEW career, especially since, you know, All Out was just yesterday, um, which, you know, also in Chicago. Yeah, and also not as many booze as I thought it was going to be, just because it is Chicago. But yeah, so I, I mean, I've said my piece on CM Punk, like, he's just a guy that's just causing a lot of trouble. And I, th- I thought AEW would have just been better off just releasing him. But like, I didn't, I didn't expect this situation was would be his undoing which by the way like look i'll say this about cm punk he seemed to be on the right path to like just kind of calming down a little bit he had like a weird like shoot like work shoot promo against hangman page when he came back but apparently the report was he apologized to adam after that like he was trying to work it into something uh into an angle or something but the the elite weren't biting and apparently they were actually supposed to him, uh, CM Punk and the elite were supposed to have a meeting to basically bury the hatchet right before all in. But it was canceled, which upset Punk a lot. Like to me, he he was being a good soldier for the most part with some stuff in between. And to see that this is what ends up ends up being his undoing, like to say it ended on a bit of like his AEW tenure, his return ended on a bit of a wet fart, I think is an understatement. Yeah, I mean, like, it is what it is, to be honest. But I guess the next question is now, what is he going to do next? <laughs> I mean, like, there are rumors, like, WWE may be interested, although, you know, Vince was not a fan of him when he was around, uh, or he wasn't, he did not want to bring uh, Punk back. Triple H has a very contentious relationship with Punk. Like he uh, Punk publicly criticized um, Triple H, like on that on that infamous podcast with Cole Cabana, and you know, like his relationship with a lot of talent, like a lot of the talent, isn't great as well. Apparently, when he first came back, not everyone was all that um, juiced about it. Like there were people that didn't do not like him behind the scenes, and WWE like it there there would be obstacles to overcome now they can be very much overcoming he could you know show up as soon as maybe survivor series which is in chicago but there might be some there it's i would leave it at like 30 percent yeah and and this is not this is not me like actually knowing anything this is me kind of throwing a number out there yeah i was not gonna lie, expected to see him in Royal Rumble, but I mean, with all the backstage stuff, especially co- if he does come out to WWE, it's not gonna fare off well. <laughs> and if he, you know, somehow does win the Rumble, I don't, I, I just don't want to see him in the WrestleMania match, <laughs> to be honest. That's uh, that's that's also the other thing. Like, it's not that he's not a good wrestler; he is. He's still fine for the most part. The problem is he's very, very frail right now. Like he he's gotten injured so much during his tenure. Well, not so much. He's gotten injured 
like quite a, uh, like a few times already just not working that many matches when he was in AEW like it was only a two-year run and he got injured like multiple times already mm-hmm. yeah at the same time I if he does come back he's not gonna last <laughs> he's probably gonna last maybe a, a quarter maybe half the time that he was with AEW and if he were to come back to the WWE like he could change his attitude maybe this is like a rude awakening for him and he just plays a bit of good soldier i'll say this about cm punk he is a guy that is very stoic very set in his like he believes in his philosophies and what and whatever he says he is going to do he is going to do and everything anything that's under his control anyway he is a guy that has very has a very strong character about him and that you know if he doesn't like something he'll let you know and he is going to stand by that stance he's gonna need to probably change a little bit of that look i respect him for his you know stoic attitude about like he i guess he never did anything wrong in the brawl out situation but like at a certain point you gotta understand when when so many people are calling you an asshole there's maybe something there i'm not saying he is an asshole like the young bucks for their part have kind of been twerps for the most part like they've not been very cooperative i guess like there's also some legal stuff in between too but like they're they haven't been exactly been receptive to like burying the hatchet like canceling that meeting is if that is to be believed is a bit is kind of like saying maybe they haven't put it behind them and unfortunately, like Punk has kind of bared a lot, of, like pretty much all the blame on that on that end. And you know, it's an ugly situation. But it honestly, was kind of one of those situations where it, imagine you're just like imagine you just have like a girlfriend or a boyfriend who just does not get along with your friends, and it and it's kind of like fracturing your relationship with everyone else around you, and it's just becoming a very uncomfortable situation. And you needed to break up with that, with that, um, with your, with that partner, and just to restore balance in your, in kind of your life, and in your relationship with other people in your life. And I think that's what's gonna, that's what's gonna happen. Like, if there's gonna be a, a reset, uh, AEW will be fine, but they'll be going back to probably more of their roots. And a cloud has just been lifted over them. You know, whether you want to blame that on Punk or not. Like you can't deny that there's gonna be there's a huge cloud that has been lifted um from the locker room. Oh yeah. Well, that's for sure. I'm just mm, yeah, I I doubt AEW is gonna, you know, worry too much about uh whether or not punk is gonna be gone or not, to be honest. So. I, I honestly I'm not that jazzed about a WWE return. Like he it'll be it'll be good for a pop. But after that, I don't really want to see him wrestle. It was like the thing with Edge. Like, I don't have the emotional attachment to Punk like a lot of people do. Like, I remember, I remember when Edge for like came back, and then like a year later, he won the Royal Rumble, and I thought that was a terrible choice. Like, I want these guys to come back and you know be happy, but like I don't want them to challenge for world titles. I think that's just like their time has passed. Like they're part timers. They should be. They should be enhancing the next generation. And you, like, you can win like maybe the US title or something, but don't ever put them in the main event. 
I get why they did it with Punk, but like I, I did not like it when that happened. Mm-hmm. When he won the world title for AEW. Yeah, we'll have to see. I doubt Dota is going to push them, push him that far up. To be honest, yeah. Again, it'll, it'll be a great return, and then it's probably going to be pretty, pretty like mid afterwards. Yeah, well, we'll see. That being said, uh, all out was a pretty was a really fun show. Like you had a uh, Ricky Starks versus the Dragon or Daniel Bryan. Uh, you had the um. What's it called? The tag team match, um, the four the four way tag team match, Young Bucks and FTR versus a uh, Bullet Cup Gold, and I think the Gun Club is what they're called. That was a really fun uh, tag team match. But what I really want to talk about, I've always loved this wrestler, um, basically ever since the AEW started. Like Orange Cassidy. Now, like Orange Cassidy is is at his core a comedy character. You know the the low effort kicks like where the where the fans chant oh oh even though he's like just very lightly kicking them I always thought that was a bit goofy, but when he when he like turns it on it is incredible like go all the way back to I don't even remember the event but like him versus Pack like when he turned up like the Jets it wasn't a it turned into an amazing match and that's kind of what this match was. You know, you have like a fucking psycho and John Moxie just beating the shit out of him to the point where it basically caused them to kind of snap towards the end where he's doing his low effort kicks and they turn into fucking hard ass kicks. Like it's an evolution of a character that like, you know, it is like the most beautiful thing in wrestling when you see evolution like that. And, you know, the ending to that match is probably the most perfect ending to a great title reign. Like he is, what I think called the international championship, um, inter- international championship. He has had a great run with that with that title. It's like it's basically the AEW equivalent of the intercontinental title, and he's been elevating. He's been having great matches, but like they were telling a story where he's like starting to kind of break down from t- taking all the matches, and then to have a valiant last stand the way he did, like John Moxley hit him with pretty brutal looking death rider on the first one or paradigm shift whatever you want to call it like and then he kicks out and then he throws up the middle fingers to moxley almost in defiance like he knows that he's gonna lose and you know mox puts him with an even more brutal looking uh paradigm shift and finally counts the three and somehow like it doesn't it like it's a big deal that he that john moxley won the title but Orange Cassidy looks amazing in defeat and I thought that was a perfect ending to a really good show and I don't know if they're going to push Orange Cassidy to the main event I don't know if he's if he's a main event guy just because of the just because of the comedy stuff but like there's something in there and right now he's he's going to be the hottest act you know going right now in AEW yeah yeah, too bad that he wasn't a WWE, but at the same time, he uh, wouldn't work. I don't think not, not, no. not in the same way. And <laughs> I doubt Vince would ever see the vision that uh, Orange Cassidy is uh, portraying at the moment to, you know, to know how to use him. I guess. Yeah, and he, he it's kind of a perfect storm. He he's a good comedy character, but at the same time, he can like go. And it's I want to see I want to see them try and push him to the main event and see what happens. Again, I don't know if he, if he is a main eventer, but like, 
you know, like capitalize on this. Like, you know, again, you have the cloud that is CM Punk that's that is just left. Like, you need some positivity. And the way they ended this show was a very positive uh, vibe. Like, so, you know, capitalize on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, payback also happened. Uh, I don't have that much to say about it. The, the tag team match was a lot of fun. Um, but but like it, you want to talk about like just no real stakes or anything like I never thought Seth was going to lose to Shinsuke. So I never believed in that. The other matches were pretty mid L.A. Knight versus The Miz was a very mid match. But like <laughs> with the with just the crowd reaction, it elevated it to another level. And John Cena being there was interesting. But yeah, like payback wasn't anything but all out like it, it, it was it was a good show. I really liked it. Yeah, I mean, it's too bad I, you know, don't watch AEW. For, uh, for some reason, I did watch Payback. I actually the whole uh, pay per view for, for once. Yes, and, one uh, of the one of the most boring pay per views you watch yeah, for some reason. I mean, I had high hopes for Shinsuke to win, even if you know I knew deep down in my heart he wasn't gonna win an actual main event for a title. So. Um, other than that, I mean, people were, uh, I wouldn't say upset, but confused that Damon Priest didn't, you know, come out to, uh, uh, cash in for, uh, Seth's title because, you know, Seth's back was <laughs> crippled by the time, uh, match ended. But I mean, how the buildup went with Shinsuke between Seth, I thought was pretty cool with, you know, all the animations and, um, whatchamacallit. The, I mean, the story is, I would say, kind of whatever, in my opinion, I guess. I mean, the story's good. Like, they, they did try to tell a story. But again, I, I never bought that Shinsuke was going to win. So I, I just never believed in it. So, yeah. But, you know, a very good uh, weekend of wrestling. Lots of stuff happening. And, yeah, we'll see what comes out comes out of this. Like, Raw is happening right now. Um, Like, it looked interesting. Jey Uso is now on Raw. So, that that's gonna be interesting. Let's see where that goes. And I've I mean I've soured on the bloodline storyline for a while. We'll see how they fix it when Roman comes back. Like I'm actually kind of looking forward to that. Yeah, we shall see. Okay, we just came back from watching the Gunther versus Chad Gable match. I mean, incredible match. Like it 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 shows you Gunther is the best wrestler in WWE right now. You can argue like Roman is still like the best on a week to week basis in terms of character building up a title and wrestling ability. Holy shit, Gunther is on his own stratosphere. Yeah, it was a. I mean, I only watched the end of the match, but man, both both wrestlers, not gonna lie, they put their heart out for this match, not gonna lie. I don't know if it was in Pittsburgh or not, but it seems like it was in um, Chad Gable's hometown. Ooh. And, you know, his daughters were in the front row. One cried when he lost. And that is actually pretty heartbreaking. But, like, mm-hmm. it was it was incredible. Like, you know, it, it, I really did believe, like, Chad Gable was going to win. He hit the chaos theory. He had um, Gunther in the, in the grapevine. It, this match, even though he lost... Now it's not as like it's it's not as incredibly like defiant or just 
I guess honorable losing the way that um the way that Orange Cassidy did. But this match makes me feel that he is the one to dethrone Gunther because there are all their matches have been really, really good. And there's a story here. And the 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 chemistry between them, the David versus Goliath story is really it it just clicks. And I think you can make it. I would make the I would make the case like he should be the one to dethrone Gunther. I really do think so myself as well. And uh, whatchamacallit, I mean, once he takes the title from Gunther, I feel like Gunther's going to be on his way to <laughs> main eventing to something. Uh, what honest, my... honest, in a perfect world, I would have instead of Cody versus like versus Roman uh, WrestleMania again. Just do Gunther versus Roman. Now, it, I, I guess PR wise, I don't see that working. Just because like Gunther is gonna have to like go on talk shows. He's gonna have to like you know be carry the company. I don't see them doing it. I think I think they're dumb because they're dumb to not do it. But like I get why you would do it for Cody. It's just why didn't you fucking do it at this year's WrestleMania? And they're gonna you're gonna wait. You're gonna delay an entire year. Gunther is is perfect for for the main for like the top guy role and you know and we'll we'll see what happens like they they could actually rerun the Royal Rumble like in you know include CM Punk in if you want but yeah. at the same time just like the last two men in the Royal Rumble last year was Gunther and Cody rerun it but just have Gunther win like honestly that would be an incredible swerve it would make sense and. Also, he, you know, you know what he has that Cody doesn't have or hasn't had? Backup. He has his own fucking faction. So, like, let's stop the all the interference and all that garbage. Yeah, like Gun- Gunther needs to be the top guy. He is fucking amazing. Well, we'll have to see. I mean, so far, I don't know how much longer he's gonna hold this belt for. Maybe for until next pay per view. So. Well, now that he's beaten the record, I assume he drops it at the next show. For a while. <laughs> no, he should he should drop it at the next big like big pay per view. Like whether that be Survivor Series or maybe Royal Rumble, even he's made that Intercontinental Champion into something. And you know, some people online were talking like Sheamus should be the one to dethrone him because oh my mm. god, their their match last year was fucking amazing. Now, amazing enough, that that's not the best match that I've ever seen Gunther or. Walter wrestle because Walter versus Elia Dragunov. If you guys ever have a chance, or if you guys have the network or Peacock, go and watch their empty arena match where they beat the fucking shit out of each other. It is the most brutal match I've ever seen that does not include blading. <laughs> Especially for Dota E2. <laughs> like it, it, it legit, uh, uh, towards the end of the match, if I remember right, it wasn't a lot of blood, but it, like Elia was literally like having blood come out of his mouth. It looked legit fucking scary, and it looked like Gunther killed a man. Like it, mm. it was that fucking brutal. No, but, yeah. It, it, I, the point is, Gunther is fucking amazing, and Ch- you know, props to Chad Gable. I've always wanted a, a run for him because he has that kind of Daniel Bryan energy, like the ultimate underdog, and if you will, the short guy. Like just being the guy that is able to slay the giants, 
you know, against all odds. Like he he was so good in this match. Just it's it's just a perfect storm of of David versus Goliath. And it's really too bad they had him wrestle four days before a thousand or but before uh Hongi's record. You know, had they done this like after, like there could I would have really believed that like Chad Gable could have beaten uh Gunther. <sighs> yeah, well, we'll see what Dota has to be cooking up for uh those two and uh hopefully it's for the better <laughs> not gonna lie i don't think they'll do do i don't think he'll do it but honestly why not have brock lesnar challenge for the Inter- intercontinental Ooh. champion because that was a rumored match like for you know wrestlemania and SummerSlam. it didn't happen but that like gunther versus brock lesnar is just the biggest of dream matches for me that that and Orange Cassidy versus Gunther. I really want to see that match. It's not happening anytime soon, but like Brock versus, yeah, Brock versus uh, Gunther would be fucking amazing. Oh, no, that would be. And uh, when is Brock coming back? (laughs) Probably not till WrestleMania, let's be honest. Or maybe in the Royal Rumble. Like, that's probably the WrestleMania match if they really are going to go for with Cody versus Roman. And I don't hate it. Well, we'll just have to see. Okay, just wanted to like, re- just wanted to review this match because it was just so good. The storyline, everything, you know, got to give props to Gunther. We gave props to Orange Cassidy. Like, weirdly enough, like my dream match, the two guys involved in that dream match are kind of the best thing going on in both companies right now. So, yeah, just the perfect storm, just a great match. Props to Gunther, man, just fucking amazing. Yeah, it was a great match. Okay, that's all I have. Is there anything else you want to quickly talk about before we call it an episode? Uh, I don't think so this time around, because if I did, we we're going to be here for another half hour. Not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to watch you got to you got to watch winning time, the new episode, because it yeah. just came out today, I think. So I I already watched it. Yeah, so. you already watched it. OK, well, <laughs> yeah. I need to start watching it maybe at some point. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, if you have nothing else, let's call it an episode. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Yeah, we'll see you guys later.